It's Tuesday, November 28th, 2023. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news and all the hot takes you can handle. It's episode 294, baby. How are we feeling, fellas? So good. So good. What? That's a different is, voice. It's been two months and literally <laughs> nothing two has months. happened in tech. Nothing. <laughs> in two, two straight the months. The last, last two months have been... <laughs> straight bonkers hot, hot, hot. Uh, <laughs> yes too hot too hot to handle it's like i can't even we can't even well, talk about this stuff i i did hear about a small startup that makes like software that runs on vms or something that got acquired by a company i think that finally happened what okay, hey, yeah finally go on 18 <laughs> it's true tyler and i work for a new company we now work for broadcom the uh, new voice that you're hearing, uh, or the different voice, that's our XRAR field correspondent, Daniel Platt. Russ is traveling. I think he's in Boston today. Is that what he said? He say Boston or Austin? He, he said something ridiculous, but Boston was... Mm-hmm. He said Bostonia, so interpret that yeah. however you want. Gotcha. What, uh, what movie was that? There was, there was some crazy movie I saw where somebody was like, they found out Good that their hunting. boyfriend or girlfriend was cheating on them. And that they went to Boston College or Austin College or something, and they heard it wrong. They drove to the wrong one, and found what they <laughs> thought was <laughs> found what they thought was their boyfriend or girlfriend's car, and just totally trashed it. <laughs> it turned out to be the wrong college. I don't know. That's a silly movie. Doesn't ring a bell for you? No. no okay. Not at all. Not even kind of. Dude. Yeah. So Tyler and I work at a new. What'd you say? <laughs> it's a dude. Where's my car? That might be it. No, that's not it. I, uh, so we work at a new company now. Yeah, it's great. It's not Maybe we it's get into new to us. It's, it's not very new. That's true. How old is Broadcom? Uh, older than today. Certainly mm, not. Ninety-one. New. August nineteen ninety-one. I would have expected. So, we were in well, first how, grade. How old is Avago then? Uh, Avago. Gets to know. Because Avago bought Broadcom and then took the name. Yeah. Now Broadcom. Avago, which is 2005. Yeah. It was a younger company that bought an older company. Mm -hmm. Nice. Interesting. Yeah. So you'll hear more about that in the coming months of episodes that we'll record. So it could be, you know, 15 episodes or it could be one if we don't record another one for another two months. So anyway. Uh, let's play a little today in tech history. How about we do that, fellas? It's uh, what's today, it November twenty eighth. Polaroid instant camera goes on sale, just in time for the Christmas shopping season. Fifty seven units of the first commercial instant camera, the Polaroid Land Camera Model ninety five, go on sale at the Jordan Marsh Department Store in Bostonia. Producing sepia tone photographs in about one minute, the Model 95 became a hit almost as quickly. Wow. What do you think? What year? Is that a hint that the Model 95 came out in 95? (laughs) Oh, my God. No. 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 I'm going to 72. I'm going to say the best year ever, uh, as known by this show, as we've referenced it many times, the year of 1986. Okay. All 57 units and all the film available were sold on the very first day of November 28th, 1948. Oh, my gosh. We were both far enough away that neither of us should creep any credit <laughs> yeah. for that. Exactly. Russ, Russ would take credit for my win in that particular case, uh, but <laughs> I will not. I will respectfully decline any credit 
for my 1972 guess. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to give you one that's a little bit closer to home uh, for us. MP3s were patented in the US uh, two days ago, November 26th. You got to tell me the year, though. MP3s were patented mm-hmm. like 91. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say 94. 96. Sneaky. Oh, see what you 96. That's that's kind of crazy, actually, based on the timeline. It is. They were patented, and then I remember not but 18 months later, uh, we were going at P- MP3s pretty hardcore. <laughs> that's I was trying to remember how old I <laughs> yeah, was. Yeah, based on my middle MP3s school. MP3s really hard, and I felt like it was early 90s, but apparently it was more like mid-90s to late. Yeah, well, you and I met in 98, and I remember mp3 was a big part of our conversation oh for sure yeah conversation time sorry and that would have been that would have been like napster zone right at the beginning of that uh i think you know what though like the earliest mp3s i remember um acquiring (laughs) were were probably still like aol news groups so Mm. pre-napster uh, but Napster yeah. obviously made them big. Everybody got in on that. I forgot about AOL news groups. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's move on here. Uh, what What do we have in the news? What you guys got? What, what have you seen? Not, nothing what? has happened. Just nothing. I've got I've got one that <laughs> would probably interest Tyler um, that I posted in the chat. Which, if you are not in the chat, you should join us at t.me slash tech breakfast podcast nope just tech breakfast t.me slash tech, tech breakfast tech. you had it there, there you go, go. okay <laughs> um yeah so there's one about uh google has some kind of new uh geothermal uh power plants that they're running in nevada that use uh it's in partnership with some uh, startup company called fervo and uh each is it each of them yeah each one is supposed to be able to generate 3.5 megawatts um is that a lot or a little watts well this says it's well it depends on how big it is but that's a lot yeah so it's for it's for google's data centers which um yeah probably use a pretty good amount of electricity Oh, I for see sure. it. It's I mean, enough to meet megawatts. the demands of 750 homes. Yeah, but they're just I was going to say it's like a, a s- center? <laughs> like a small city. Um, wow. Yeah. That, that, that's like a small city's worth of power plant production. Um, and that's why I was saying, is it a lot? I, it, if it's the size of a Coke can, then yes, it's mind-blowingly a lot. Oh, I didn't mean that. I meant this. like how much is 3.5 megawatts? Like is that, but I found that conversion here running 750 homes, small city kind of stuff. I should remember from SimCity 2000 because... We had like power plants that we were creating up and you'd see the megawattage ratings. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Anyways, that, that's cool. So how big are these things? I Because I did not see this article. Click, Bigger than click, a on the link, click on the link and there's a picture. That's about all I can give you for reference. Yeah, but is that uh, clean energy startup? Fervo, geothermal. Oh, okay. Um, but, but, I didn't realize we had geothermal capabilities in the u.s yeah, man. nevada we've been developing that stuff for a long time i say we like human developing geothermal capabilities 
well, using that in for the US? electricity anyways. Um, I, I wasn't aware of major US products, but it doesn't surprise me. The stuff gets warm when you go deep is the mm. long and the short of it, right? Ah, okay. Uh, I found that we actually so, have a government site on it. There you go. It's uh, six states. <clears throat> you have California, Nevada, Utah, Idaho, Oregon, and New Mexico. Oh, I'm sorry, Hawaii as well. Seven. Yeah, that, I mean, Hawaii certainly makes sense. Active volcanoes, yeah. pretty good for geothermal. Yeah, that's got to be what it is. So what is that? There's uh, the, the San Andreas Fault. That makes more sense in my brain now. Okay. I got it. Fault yeah. lines in the U.S. Well, that's cool. Yeah, it's their Going. push towards, you know, more uh, sustainable uh, data centers, which I think will become more and more important over the next uh, few decades. Gotcha. I don't know. I thought that one was cool. <laughs> yeah, if there's a big quote in here. If you think about how much we advanced wind and solar and lithium ion storage, here we are. This is kind of the next set of stuff and we feel like companies have a huge role to play in advancing these technologies. Yeah. That's neat. I hadn't thought about geothermal energy yeah. at all uh, in the, the United heck? States. Can you guys hear me? Yes, yes, I can hear you. Okay. I would I dropped off and then it stopped showing me the thing. Uh stopped showing me that I was talking in the app. Anyways, uh yeah, so that that's that's pretty cool. I can't tell from the picture if it's the picture of the entire data center and the geothermal plant is just a piece of that, or if it's um, if that is the geothermal plant and they're going to flush out around it. It's not really clear in that article, but that's pretty slick. It reminds me too of the uh, the news. I think I gosh, I either saw it today or yesterday, and I'll have to look up um, look up a link for it and share it in the chat. But the Chinese data center that that they're doing um, offshore. So like underwater, literally submerged. What? That's I'm also pretty sure the same Microsoft's line. already done that. Well, we've seen some like floating and using um, seawater to cool the data center. And I right. think waves for power or something like that. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me. That's pretty cool stuff. But this is, it's, uh, let's see, underwater here's, here's one of the articles on Tom's what? hardware. <laughs> But it, yeah, it's it's six million PCs, and and it's being built underwater uh, to to meet that performance, but shave you know hundreds of millions of kilowatt hours, which is wild. Hmm. I am correct. Microsoft did this in 2018. Uh, off just the a smaller scale, Northern or? Isles. Yeah, um, that does sound familiar. Yeah. Oh, it says it in that article in Tom's uh, Tom's hardware. Microsoft's project Natic in 2014 kicked off this trend yeah. of putting data centers in the ocean. I thought I remember Amazon doing that too at some point. I feel like Amazon did, or they've certainly. But this done is some offshore. This seem, So you're saying the Microsoft one was also underwater? Yeah. Like not on the ocean, but in correct underneath. Uh, I, at I can imagine that if, deep to the seafloor. You got to imagine if we keep doing this at scale, uh, it's not going to be real good for like rising ocean temperatures. And I get that this is a drop yeah. in the bucket, but still it's a 122 million kilowatt hours that's being cooled by raising the temperature locally of the ocean. So I could see that being bad after too long. Agreed. Agreed. 
This is crazy, actually. Watertight data storage units serve as the building blocks, and the company's plan to install 100 units over five years. Each data storage unit weighs 1,300 tons, or about the same as 1,000 cars. So transporting it to the bottom of the ocean isn't easy. Not to mention that the module has to travel 35 meters to the bottom of the sea, so it takes the unit around three hours to get where it needs to be. Data storage unit has a longevity of 25 years, so it's built to last and withstand natural phenomena. Well, how do they know that? How do they know that it can withstand 25 years if they've never done this before? <laughs> it's uh, probably just based on the capability of the parts. Yeah, we'll, we'll see that if makes uh, sense. the whole thing works out that way. Each data storage unit can process more than 4 million HD images in 30 seconds. Well, okay, yeah, so we're just talking about computing power. That's why they're saying approximately 60,000 regular computers. Regular. Regular old chump computers. Why Why are they... So why are they doing this? To save on cheap, electricity. Cheap costs. cooling. It's, just, it's cooling. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine. I wonder, like... Oh, here it is. You yeah. got to wonder where that breaking break even is because there's a lot of engineering effort that goes into burying a data center, I have no doubt. So there's costs associated with the effort, clearly... Well, of course, I mean, I, I suppose the answer is right there in front of us. 122 million kilowatt hours is a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah. When I guess I didn't, I didn't realize how much data centers use fresh water, I guess, to cool. But it's talking about submerged data centers can leverage the freezing seawater for natural cooling, which helps reduce operating costs. And water isn't consumed at all in the process. But that makes sense. I, I guess I was unaware of how often data centers use fresh water to cool yeah uh i mean it, it, it adds up though because you think about water cooling in even a desktop environment they do yeah. water cooling at data center scale as well yeah. that heat transfer no, is just so efficient yeah, compared to air I, yeah. i've heard of quite a few data centers um that are tied to like well systems they pull fresh yeah. water um up from the earth and push that through you know fresh cooled water um, from the earth, they push that through their um, their watering systems, their water hmm. cooling systems. Yeah, but the, the the question I I want to ask you guys is, you know, do you think that's that's the route that we should be taking? Should we be doing, you know, pushing things in underground or in the ocean or yeah? If we're if we're moving so much of our of our telecommunications up into space, is there an opportunity for data centers to be going into space soon? Oh, heck yeah. Dude, I don't think know about, about soon, but I like the idea. And the only reason nah, I say I think... that is that data centers need to have the hard line for connectivity, especially redundant connectivity. And wireless, as great as it is for all kinds of things, I think would be a pretty big limiting factor for space-based um, data center operations, right? Yeah. And think about the the tonnage, right? For, for every ton of uh and, and each of these storage units if we're talking about the ones now these probably weigh like more than they'll they would need to actually i don't know right because the pressure of being at the bottom of the ocean is probably well it's only like 35 meters down the pressure there is probably less than the vacuum structural build that they would have to put up in space or whatever but if you just think about the amount of weight the tonnage of stuff that you'd have to put up into outer space that seems cost prohibitive like significantly so right yeah maybe let's see start as it stands it's very i'm sure we'll get there at some point yeah but 
that, yeah, that's pretty costly. But similar story, it's it's going to be extremely expensive to go dropping that stuff to the bottom of the ocean as well. I mean, there's the the cost of electricity is obviously substantial enough that these efforts are worth dollars and cents. I I'm curious if it's really worth the effort, given that like like I said, they're basically using cold ocean water to cool these these things that has negative downstream impacts especially for like coral reefs and stuff like that anytime you've got ocean water temperatures rising again drop in the bucket for a single data center or even a few of these but we're i feel like we're getting closer and closer to having better access to sustainable energy sources in the first place i don't know that heat sinking the ocean is in our best interest when a giant solar farm or a geothermal plant might actually be more appropriate and less damaged long term yeah and then couple that with if if this fails then you know it's just going to be trash Right yeah, in the bottom. Yeah, I guess exactly. if any of them fail, they end up trashed in the bottom of the ocean. But yeah, I don't know. I it it's neat. It's cool. It's a it's a pretty fascinating engineering effort. But I don't. I don't. It just doesn't seem necessary. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's why I'm kind of stuck on. And think about hardware maintenance. Right when we talk about yeah, hot yeah. swapping blades and and our new drives or whatever, the fact that somebody would have to get in a submarine or scuba dive down with some equipment, <laughs> you know, how, how does, what does that even look like submarine down? Do you just build an elevator to the bottom? Um, huh. anytime something needs to be done. Right. So, and then it made me, it made me jump to like, uh, like a, a James Bond movie or something. When you think about the physical security and you're like, it's an underwater yeah. layer, you know, or something like that. But I think it's this kind of double-edged sword of, okay, well now you've got, better security because it's 125 feet underwater or something. And some average Joe just can't go drive a car through the wall and take down your data center, whether they were intending to or not. Right. Um, but, but it's but also in international got, waters. Exactly. But that's what I'm saying is now, now you've got, okay, well, what are you, what are you storing in that? Well, right. Yeah. So if this is a, if this is a, like a, you know, you're running the, the government off of this for your nation. That's, that's uh, got access to it or whatever. Well, some other nation will just drive their submarine over there and blow it up. So yep. anyway. Well, yeah. speaking of interesting speaking of data centers. Yeah. Speaking of data centers, it goes to my other article I posted that I think is really interesting, which is that uh, Amazon announced a new cloud AI chip. Uh, and it, it just feels like everyone is making their own chips today. You know, before there yeah, was, there was only like a handful of, of, yeah. yeah, it's just like there's just you know there was the the Intel's and the Qualcomm's and the you know and, and whoever else, but now it's like Apple is making their own chips, Google's making their Tensor chips, um, Amazon yeah. and Microsoft are making their own AI chips. Uh, it seems like so many companies are going down that route now to do their all their own custom silicone now. Yeah. You gotta you yeah. gotta wonder. I'm I mean, fan. obviously there's there's got to be part of it that is just related to the cost of acquiring it from somebody else. But then I, I think uh, proof too is just that they're really hard to get a hold of. So getting yeah. mm-hmm. any off the shelf, highly performant AI silicon is just not easy right now. And, and then I think in the long run, relying on the usual players, you know, Broadcom, Qualcomm, um, 
NVIDIA to get all of your AI goods as opposed to sort of minting your own chip hardware and then having somebody produce it. Because at the end of the day, they're all coming out of the same plants, right? These these companies aren't all standing yeah. up their own fabs, or at least they haven't. Maybe they are trying, some of them. But um, yeah, I, I think it's neat to see it. It's obviously a big business um, motion too. Because what was it? You mentioned the Google Tensor chips. Those are pretty fascinating TPUs in general. But um, what was the head of Google's TPU hardware division, OpenAI, just hired? Is that, if, if I'm remembering that article correctly? Um, which, you know, sort of implies even that these leading entities in the generative AI space are already looking at making their own custom hardware. Not to say that they're small companies, because what was the... OpenAI, I think the, the valuation is something like $85 billion now. It, it's, it's far from tiny um, from a value perspective. But you wouldn't expect something arguably that young to be doing what Apple did to kind of finally push back against x86 from Intel. Um, but here we are. They're obviously looking at hardware, unless it's just optimization stuff. But yeah, I, I think that's pretty. That's pretty cool. It's very telling too. I think there's going to be a mm-hmm. lot of competition in that space. Um, really, over second place, to be honest, because Nvidia has an absolutely commanding lead in the AI hardware zone. Yeah, well, and it's cool too to just continue to innovate and you know drive Moore's law, right? And the fact that um, companies don't want to be at risk for not being able. I mean, ev- there's processors in everything. Everything that's coming out, everything that anybody is working on that's that's uh, new or innovative, it's is driven by some type of uh, you know processing unit. So it makes sense, man. Get a competitive edge, build a, a build one. a TPU or what? GPU or DPU or whatever that's designed for your what workload. amazing discovery do you think OpenAI had that caused all of its crazy kerfluffle? <laughs> oh my with, gosh, with leadership. <laughs> yeah, that was I, uh, wild. The the only thing that my brain went to was 2001: A Space Odyssey when it was when HAL 9000 was like, I can't do that, Dave. Right? Did they have a moment right. like that? I like. I mean, that's that's some of the speculation, which is fun. It's just fun to speculate what a company that really like pioneered the first access to large language models being useful as little chatbots in a way that we hadn't hadn't really figured out as they like tried to rein in how good it was at chemistry and rein in costs associated with floating point math. And they went in less than a year from that to GPT four with like Dolly three integration where you can literally do text to like movies. And the idea that they may have stumbled upon something that is just that much further ahead, closer and closer to, to general intelligence, for instance, um, and it caused strife in the board and what Sam was was trying to accomplish and how is is kind yeah. of a fun thought experiment in my opinion. Oh, for sure, man. I mean, they you had to imagine that they were in a meeting or 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 not in a meeting, they're in a lab or something, and somebody hits a big red button and they call an emergency meeting and Sam Altman's out on the road securing another, you know. $600 million in funding for the next project or something working on getting a $90 billion valuation for the company. And they're like, shut it down. Uh, you know, and Sam's out there ready to take the next 12 steps forward in the next, you know, next month. 
like, nope, get him out. We got to stop this. This is terrible. And all of it was so public. Absolutely public mind boggling. So fast. Like, yes. And, and for, for those listening that weren't following this closely, I mean, I haven't even had a chance to catch up on everything that happened over kind of our, our American Thanksgiving break. But Sam Altman, the CEO of OpenAI, was removed very publicly from his position as the CEO with um, his president, right? The yeah, Brown he was texted. But yeah, he, he got, was texted he was on like a Thursday a, night and the co-founder right. said, hey, join a Google Meet chat Friday morning. They get him on and, and they say that. You're out. And then fast forward like 48 hours. And I again, timelines, I wasn't paying close enough attention to like write this all down. But it he's being offered the opportunity to come and work as basically an independent AI labs entity for Microsoft, Satya Nadella. Uh, again, very publicly, like, Sam, you got a home. Then internally at OpenAI, basically the entire company of developers, data scientists, all of it said, bring Sam back or we leave. And Microsoft is like, yep, you got a place. Come on over. And then fast forward another two days, basically, and Sam's back in at OpenAI with the support of Microsoft and the after entire board Twitch, minus one Twitch person is deleted. Board. Yeah, and the, the Twitch co-founder, um, who is, that's a whole interesting conversation there, was interim CEO yeah. for like less than 24 hours. Yeah, for like, like 24 he, hours. Yeah, yeah, and he stood up and he was like, okay, Sam was running us at a 10. I'm going to scale us back to a one or two in terms of pace. We have got to slow <laughs> this down. Like, you know, Bye. they told him something, <laughs> right? Yeah, they told him, they told him something. They're like, okay, you know, the, everything hit the fan. We got to pump the brakes here. And yeah. so that was... That was him as CEO for 24 hours. <laughs> and then he, yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. Which, oh which is, I mean, it's nuts. And and it, it's crazy to think that, A, it, this is an, a not-for-profit company, right? Like, it was supposed to be what the title of the company, or what the name of the company is. It was supposed <laughs> to be AI for the masses. Now it's pretty freaking clear that there were some serious disagreements about how to approach this going forward. And Microsoft has a large financial interest and obviously a good bit of power now too like russ called it when we talked about open ai and the release of some of this stuff and the investment yeah. that microsoft made in open ai that 10 billion dollar investment saying that like we need this to be open like the internet and what we're going to get is just gorillas tossing a, a beach ball around above the layperson's skulls right like it, it's <laughs> probably not a good thing that this is going down the way that it's going down. Yeah. That that said, uh, I am I am fascinated at the pace of innovation in the public large language models and how quickly they're keeping up. Which which makes me think that if OpenAI has stumbled upon and that may be disingenuous, maybe they they were literally tracking this and trying to get to it, and they just got there faster than they thought. Assuming any of the speculation is accurate at all that the the methods they're using are not so fundamentally different from the methods everyone else is using that we're not that far from the same sort of epiphany uh, across the board using all kinds of different models coming from different places some of which are very open and very available to the general public right so i i back to the arguments that we were sort of making when we first talked about some of this stuff at 
at length on the podcast. I don't think you can slow this. I don't think it's possible to slow down AI development at this point. No, and you I, can't. I, actually and I was think, tweeting about that the other day. It's like the Streisand effect, right? If, yeah, if you have open yeah. AI say, uh-oh, we like we hit a revolutionary breakthrough. Now everyone's going to try to speed up and hit that same sort of thing. Right. Right. And, and so they want to pump the brakes. Now think, we're going to get there even faster. I, I saw a, a title. I didn't get to read the entire article and I want to go back to it. We'll see if we have fine time for that. But um, I think it was... Um, uh, why am I blanking on the name? Uh, Gates. It was Bill Gates who actually said, maybe maybe the answer is not slowing down, but getting to the point where AI can be used to put guardrails on AI. Basically, mm. let's let's let the watchers do the watching. <laughs> sure. But yeah. and that's horrifying. But it's also like, can if you can't stop it, if you can't slow it down, and and it's going to keep moving as fast as it's moving, we're faster. At what point do you acknowledge that we just don't have the skill set, the capability, the scope to properly regulate or put guardrails yeah. on something like AI? And and you just acknowledge that we have to use something bigger than us to try. Well, and, and you're going to hope that, that point, it's not... Need... <laughs> Sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, no, no. You're... Well, yeah, that it's you're not good. aware enough to say, okay, I know I'm being watched. I'm going to hide what I'm doing. Right. Sure. Which is, yeah, just, it's crazy. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, this is such an interesting time to be alive. No, yeah. but, but when this you is have such an interesting topic to watch. Yeah. And there's a survey um, that this company called Spokio just did. I don't know. I don't know what these people, these, I guess it's just, let's see, business, quote unquote, workplace people. I don't know. Apparently, they interviewed 1,027 uh, individuals here in the U.S., and fully two-thirds of them admitted that AI could carry out 100% of their workplace duties. Okay, Jesse. 100%. <laughs> what's, what's really interesting, too, and I know these articles come out all the time, and, and it's, I mean, they're, they almost feel long in the tooth, even though we've been having this conversation for like a hot six months. Um, but the what's what's interesting about what, AI is going to be able to do from a generative AI perspective in the workplace, as far as disruption goes, is that it's more likely to hit most white collar workforces faster because sure. AI is yeah. not far enough along or the hardware that it's controlling isn't far enough along to do your welding and install your fences and put a roof on your home or install a window. Right. Like we, 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 we probably have the technology and aggregate to make some of that stuff really happen, but it's going to take longer than it is to get rid of accountants. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> 100%. 100%. If your job can be done at Excel, AI is probably pretty darn close to being able to do it beginning to end better and faster than you can. Yeah. And Even that's, like... That's uh, horrifying it? in all kinds of levels. <laughs> Sports Illustrated is in the news today. They were being accused of publishing AI written articles. And I keep seeing this all over the place. Everywhere, I mean anybody that writes like, you know, Forbes or or you know, Times, Sports Illustrated, um AI written articles all over the place. Either like you read something and you're like, "Hmm, this this a human did not write this." That under fire for it. And uh and then at the same time you see so like we just joined Broadcom. Broadcom's um support system has a bot 
yeah. that we're supposed to hit first. What is it called? One bot or something? I can't remember. One bot. Yeah. Or Q was no, um, it's one bot, something like that. I yeah. Well, and I, yeah. Amazon. Yeah. Amazon just dropped one, right? They have an AI chat bot that they're uh, dropping for companies. They just announced it today called Q. It's just, it's everywhere oh, now. So anytime you reach out to anybody or, you know, you're trying to chat with your dentist to update your, you know, your schedule instead of this Thursday at four, you're going to go next Tuesday at one. You'll just talk to an AI. This, this should surprise no one because they were doing yeah. that before the chat bots were useful in any capacity whatsoever. They were just <laughs> right. pull your hair out in theory and work with. And now like people are having more functional conversations with generative AI than they are with some people that they grew up with. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we are at a point where the low-level scheduling stuff should be done by artificial intelligence. Correct. It's okay. I'll let that one go. It is probably going to be a faster avenue to what you're trying to get, which is that's all we should really care about as end users. Um, you obviously <laughs> have to forget for a minute that there's likely a human that was getting paid to do some of that before, and that's that's a different problem. <laughs> but, like, ugh. I saw one. The, you remember old... Trevor? We both used to work for Trevor Starnes. Yeah, oh yeah. And uh he did you see the one he tweeted? He was talking to his bank or something, I can't remember. And the AI got confused and ended up talking to itself. It was like, no, I need more information. <laughs> and it was like, I gave you all the information, and then it was like arguing back and forth with itself. Oh my gosh. It was so funny. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. And this is this is where people's uh budgets for implementing chatbots is going to become really obvious really fast like oh yeah. you got the cheap one and it's terrible again <laughs> right yeah <laughs> oh wow yeah no i did not see that but that that is absolutely hilarious yep. yeah and then you and, got uh, we're gonna see like... a lot of stuff botched here but i i still feel like in that particular case it's okay like let that one go there are all kinds of functions i think GPT-4 could do better than a lot of the people that I've talked to in certain capacities. Certainly can handle more threads at once. That's a that's a benefit in a lot of sort of call center-like scenarios. So, I was just thinking, could, could you make your own like private AI tool that uh, you use to represent you to all of the other chatbots and it was so persistent Dude, that it like guaranteed... Right. You know, winning whatever argument you wanted to make with your insurance or your bank or whatever. For hours <laughs> while you're yeah. sleeping. It's genius. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That's phenomenal. You know, it, dude, I want my chatbot to generate my wife's own AIs. I, we need to have, <laughs> no, you know what I mean? Like, not. we need marriage level chatbots. Like, I'm going to look, I'm going to write down this is my argument. You're going to write down your argument. Our chatbots are going to go after <laughs> each other and we'll yeah, just and we'll settle on whichever one. <laughs> yeah, we'll see who wins. And you and I just oh. go grab a Coke and watch a show. There you go. <laughs> you, you, when you get back to it, you just delete the answer without reading it. Yeah. Don't exactly. need to know. Happy with See, where I landed. Tyler has a good marriage. That's There you go. That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> just delete the well, answer. You, you already mean. solved your problems. If you're able to sit down and you know have a Coke, yeah. watch a movie, you're probably fine. That's right. Argument over. <laughs> That's funny. That's too funny. No, I have seen stuff about people making you know personal, personal assistance. Um or even their own likenesses for certain functions. And uh, I, I imagine that there's going to be a lot more of that in the not too distant future. I hadn't really considered the making yourself a chatbot of you to argue on your behalf. That's hilarious and brilliant. And I love it. Dude, is that but risky I think though? There are going to be a lot of, oh, for sure. Identity tests. I mean, the thing, the system takes your, yeah, oh, yeah. so 
you have people like Ethereum's uh, Vitalik Buterin, and he's saying that AI is going to surpass humans and become the apex species. And even Mar- quote, even Mars won't be safe. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, do you want to inject your, you know, your life into an AI? And then now it represents you. I don't know. What's, what's the difference? I mean, come on. Think of like every clone movie ever. It, what's important is <laughs> neither of you needs to know that the other one was the original. And then everything oh. will be just fine. So your what's AI is just one? you now. What's the Bruce Willis AI movie? Surrogates. Uh, oh, surrogate. Wait, what? I was thinking. Yeah. Oh, no, never mind. That wasn't Bruce Willis. Yeah. Surrogates. Yeah, Bruce Willis surrogates. That. that one's an interesting one. Anyways. I don't know, Daniel. You got a, you got an interesting idea. But now I'm going to go delete all my social media until I've made a decision. <laughs> no, no, Aaron. You shouldn't delete your social media. You should just turn it over to an AI. That was another one that I saw. And in this one, like... I'm I'm chuckling internally and then crying because of what it means on so many levels. But I don't remember the company. I'm not sure they've... I do think they fully admitted to it. But basically, they created an AI influencer that just posts content on like Instagram and TikTok and, and your other platforms, I'm sure. But it automatically posts this contact. It's a generative AI that has take on, taken on a persona, posts pictures of itself that, of course, are completely generated out of nothing. It's making $11,000 a month influencing people on the internet. And <laughs> it, it's literally getting sponsorship deals. It's negotiating oh the God. contracts the same way other influencers do. And I'm like, oh, God, it makes me sick to my stomach that this and thing it's running also, analytics. Why didn't I think how... of that? Because that's the yes. only version of influencer I ever want to be. Is yeah. not, but profiting from it somehow. <laughs> right. <laughs> Dude, I wonder if this is the same one that got invited to be a keynote speaker at a at an event. Oh gosh, and then crazy. they realized that it wasn't a real person. Yeah, I am not a real human. I saw this. Oh, I can't I, I gotta go back and find it, but there's some there's some like fake dev account or something that is an influencer type position on Twitter or something, and and she was yeah. uh she was announced as being one of the keynote speakers at an upcoming like crypto event. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, this person's not real. <laughs> not human. That's awesome. Too, too dang funny. They probably even sent out a message like, will you be the keynote speaker? And they're like, yep, I'm available that day. She's like, yep, I'm free. <laughs> we didn't even tell you what day it is. Yep, I'm free. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Copies of myself. Of as- yeah. That's right. Oh, that's Dude. just great. That is great. So, and then I, and I know, Billy, I saw you posting this stuff. You may actually know some of the names, but the the latest thing, like within the last week, that I know has come out and has gone crazy, is the image to video uh, generative AI stuff. And yeah, or even text to even video. A younger one yeah. that's doing text to video, like it's a startup. And look, they're not. They aren't like the most amazing little shorts you've ever seen. But the fact that you can generate this from nothing i mean just like yeah. a robot walking through a dystopian city boom you have this little mini clip of of that happening is absolutely mind-blowing yes you have pixar um, level it, animation scenes yes, coming out of just yes. saying robot walking through armageddon or something like you just said whatever it was well and, and I, I, I saw one it's probably the same company but they were literally highlighting parts of a picture so like a butterfly on a leaf yes. but then also random parts in the background and it would it would put those pieces into motion in more a more static image where so it's somewhat selective it was just mind-blowing literally mind-blowing what were you going to say, Daniel? 
Well, I was going to say, were, were these some of the, the new like chat GBT based like API tools? Were they built off of that or were they? Some of them were. Some yeah, were. One one was uh, a, the one the he's talking video, about was Pika Labs. Tone, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pika, this one is called Pika, Pika Labs. Video, right? Yeah. Yep. yep. Cool. Yeah. Hey, you can follow Cook. them uh, at Pika underscore labs on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. I, I was just going to say, is, have you guys just cool stuff. experienced the crazy amount of new um, like AI bots that people have been creating over the past like two weeks or one week, whatever it was. Um, Ever since the, the opened APIs up their, opened their, their, up? Like, SDK. Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't seen as much of it as I think I yeah. should. And I honestly, like part of my brain is just like, avoid, avoid too much overload. Uh, it's so much to think about, but I was curious about that. And, and they had just opened up um, just a few weeks ago, the, um, the private AI models too. So one something that OpenAI is offering as a service um, outside of just their API stuff is is actually doing specialized language training or model training. So you you basically take GPT four as a baseline, and then you can bring in your own data set that is not going to get ingested into the broader model. So you actually have some semblance of security or sovereignty, and and like it, you look at the quotes for this, it's like a, a minimum million dollar daily spend for a month or something to to create your own uh, AI, but like specialized to your functions. Um, and I know no, they're not the only ones that are doing it now. But I think that that sort of engagement is what's going to give us the the bank teller equivalent of a chat bot that's actually really good at what it does. So I'm pumped about it. But what what have you seen just on the API side? Uh, well, I I just you know it, it seemed like the floodgates have just opened up on him. So <laughs> all of a sudden one day on LinkedIn and and X, and I'm still getting used to calling it X. Um, you know, just people being like, "Here's a list of of AI tools that that I found that that I that I like," and you know, all, all of them. You know, in order to use those tools, you had to have uh, access to GPT four. So, they, OpenAI probably saw a huge subscription increase from that. But anyways, yeah. I mean, you know, there there were logo creation ones. There were um, there was like marketing. Uh, campaign signage and and verbiage and all these things and they were all just made within like two days of time from ChatGPT opening up those tools. That's so unreal. It was, it was it was pretty That's amazing unreal. to see That's how much really that cool. came out. Yeah, and and you know what excites me about that stuff? Um, maybe not for the creators that it's likely to displace, but if it's quote unquote that easy, and and I'm I want to be careful with the term easy there because i couldn't just go do this uh you know in a minute here after the podcast or something but um if if it's easy enough for for some of these groups to generate that content that quickly that easily it means that more and more it's it's going to be proliferated pretty quick and that will drive yes. the cost of using those kinds of services down substantially i would expect right just general economics if you've got eight logo ai creators they're all based off of a gpt4 baseline they're probably all going to be somewhat similar some are going to bubble up to the top some are going to be more average some are going to be on the downside of that spectrum but at the end of the day you have eight functional logo creation bots which means the cost for utilizing any of them it's going to be kind of a race to the bottom um or yeah. or a race for higher quality and it's going to happen fast which is cool 
So yeah. that's, that's yeah, exciting. It, yeah. It's like this marketplace of AI tools just appeared overnight. That's so awesome. Uh, it seems like, so that, that I like to think about it from that perspective. Um, yeah. Buley has jumped off the call. It looks like. Yeah. So. I've, I've actually got a hard stop here too. We, we got to jump to the same thing. So, uh, Daniel, thank you for joining us. And that brings another Tech Breakfast podcast to a close. Thank you all for listening. Um, you know, I know it's been a, a hot minute. I feel like I say that every time I'm closing one of these out, but uh, we'll try to do more and we'll talk to you soon. Lots of good stuff out there. Any final thoughts, Daniel? Uh, shout out to my nephew, Jacob, who got into the podcast over Thanksgiving break. So just shout out to him oh, so he listens right. to it. <laughs> good stuff. All right. Hi, Jacob. Thanks, everybody. Bye, everybody. We're out.